Hello and welcome back. We're at Spinal Tap Minute, episode 44. We're the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And our special guest today, uh, coming back, is author, journalist, and rock tour Chris Epting. Thank you for having me back. Oh, thank Honor. you for coming back. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. This is... Uh, these these are great conversations. It's, there's a real addicting, addictive quality to unpacking a movie like this the way that you do. So I appreciate the invite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're so glad you joined us. And and yeah, it is. It's it's now I do look at movies as like, hmm, is this another movie by minute possibility? <laughs> well, it takes a special movie yeah. to, to get deconstructed like this i think i mean it takes a really good but very different unique kind of movie i think to make it work and give you you know the the detail that's really worth paying attention to for sure for sure Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and so we are we are back today to deconstruct minute 44 Uh, minute 44 starts with the continuation of our scene with the band passing through security at an airport and derek is emptying his pockets of of all metal and uh, explaining why he would carry a tuning fork. <laughs> uh, so in the end, um, well, I won't spoil it. I'll just say uh, Derek has a, um, a concealed weapon that he <laughs> that he withdraws. Um, and in between, we show uh, we see Derek taking off his jacket and eventually getting uh, hand checked, checked with the handheld metal detector. So yeah, this is the conclusion of what started yesterday, and. Yeah, Derek just has a lot of metal on him all over, it seems. So funny. And it's like, I love how it takes us back about, A, how airports used to be. It's a fairly accurate take on what security was like, Mm -hmm. on how, you know, just lacks on such a crazy level but uh but yeah the metal is it's so funny and i i have to tell you of the one of my absolute favorite lines in the whole movie is in this scene Mm. and it happens when what does she say to him exactly do you have any metal plates or um artificial yeah artificial plates or limbs what does he say he says not really no No, not really (laughs) not really really, no yeah that's That to me the, is the, the magic of the entire movie is in not really yeah. <laughs> to leave the door open possibly to having it. I think is so it's so funny and it just seems off the cuff. I don't think he was going for a gag line. I think that's I think his character he's yeah. being true to character, but yeah. that one so <laughs> not really no. <laughs> and it's it, I, I love that I, I absolutely love that. I also love when he I think his second pass through you mm-hmm. hear one of the guys I'm never sure who it is I think it's Nigel saying let's go then right right oh, which yeah. is what they yeah. say when they're trapped when they get lost in the theater in Cleveland mm-hmm. you hear him say let's go to and that same so it's almost like a little catchphrase within a catchphrase thing it's weird but again, this this scene is so brilliant because it is sort of like a little play. It has a very distinct beginning, middle, and end. It does. Yeah. And and um, I just noticed, too, yeah, there's a few people in the back, like far, far back behind whatever this metal. There's like a partition behind yeah. the security and then the security team themselves. That They all look like real authentic as far as like 
kind of maybe a little tired of doing their day to day job. Definitely bored a little bit. Um, they they did a great job of recreating these kind of mundane what were what were then mundane moments. You know, and, and being a band on tour, you know, a lot of time has passed and really just doing this kind of mundane stuff. It's, it's hotel. It's waiting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's waiting for a car. It's going to the airport. It's getting out of the airport and getting to another car, going to the gig, sound check, go to the hotel, you know, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat over and over. And, and they do, I mean, there's a very boring tone to the movie, which I think is brilliant. It, mm-hmm. they do, they do manage to capture the the uh the banality of this kind of travel you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i've always wondered um and i'd love to get your takes guys on this scene of all the scenes i can't quite figure <laughs> out <laughs> derek's motivation is he trying to you know make a spectacle or is he caught in an embarrassing situation or he could give no you know, no Fs about it. Like, what is his... Well, you had mentioned... Okay, you both mentioned off mic that there's... Which I was unaware of, that there's some precedent in in a deleted scene or, or something where it's... Describe that, because I think that problem... That may help justify at least the motivation to some degree, right? Partially. A little bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so, so there's there was a deleted scene where Nigel and David pull Derek aside... And they say, you know, one of the, the the audiences haven't been reacting to the band the way they'd like. They they don't quite get as excited as they should. And Derek, or sorry, uh, David and Nigel suggest that maybe Derek is is lacking something in his uh, lower anatomy, right? That he's not inspiring, a, you know. He, he, you know, yeah, he's just he's not inspiring the female concert goers the way he might. And so that he, you know, it might make sense for a little artificial augmentation. Right. Which would explain, you know, and we we noticed it and we talked about it in an earlier scene on stage where we noticed, uh, you know, they, they tend to wear spandex pants. And, and we noticed there seemed to be a little bit more of Derek in one performance than there had been previously. But that doesn't explain why he's doing this, you know, in the airport to get on a plane to like sit in, you know, and and we know they're, you know, we've seen the hotels where they're staying and, and, you know, they're not really going first class. They may, you know, they may be sitting in coach with and and, and so he's got this (laughs) this thing in his pants. Well, and their last gig was canceled. So it's not like he just got off stage. You know, like that's, well, yeah, that's, that's right. what I don't understand. First part of his everyday thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe so he's it's... maybe he's like, oh, I like the way this looks. I feel more confident, kind of like wearing lifts in your shoes or something that, that's, like that. That was always my take on it. Was it? It just beca- it's become part of his thing. You know, no matter where he happens to be, he's a rock star, and when with that goes a certain degree of you know, presentation that you've got to honor, right? And right. That was always how I sort of, I mean, it is kind of a bizarre, it's very, it's a gag heavy scene, right? I mean, it really mm-hmm. is. It's a, it's a setup punchline, boom, like right in your face. Um, it's a very I, strange scene. I love the laughter. I think it, what always struck me is very genuine laughter by the guys mm-hmm. behind him when he, when he pulls it out. You hear them, 
and it's like I like that because at that point they they feel like a real band. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they're sharing a laugh. There's that brotherhood that real bands have that mm-hmm. you know they've been like in the trenches together for so many years. And when you hear that laugh to me, it's it's kind of a sweet moment. They're they're dealing. They got Janine, who's already kind of you know leached on already. Yet they can still share that laugh. She's not laugh. She won't get that. That's their right. laugh. Right, there's there's right. that laughter amongst friends. There's the way yes. you laugh at the people that you're closest with. Yeah. And it's buddies watching a buddy get busted. It's something we've all been through. And it's, there's a, almost a fraternal sensibility to it, you know? Yeah, because they've caught on. They they know what he's been doing. Yeah, and so they know. They figured out what's setting off. And they know where this is going. Yeah, and I'm also just enjoying here, too, like uh, Gloria Gifford, who plays this agent here. Mm-hmm. She does when she whips out the... Uh, the kind of metal detector handheld device and they go, what? Uh, wait, wait. You know, it starts going off right on his pants and she gives him quite a look like, wait a minute. I said artificial plates and limbs. Right. Like, what is this going to be? Yeah, and she's not right. amused. <laughs> I think what's funny too, where he says, you know, I'm a musician, right? They're not getting yeah. they're not getting recognized by anybody. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. in a crowded airport. They're not known. It, there's no <laughs> it's kind of sad. I mean Yeah, no one's like, oh my God, it's spinal tap in our airport. Woo. No. Everyone's very nonplussed. There's no recognition and he's saying, you know, I'm a musician. He's got to define himself. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. It's a little bit humbling when you realize that they really they can sit there all day long and talk about how big and great they are. But out in the real world, it's not quite that way. They can move about fairly freely, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do want to talk about some some subtleness. So we know we know the punchline here at the end of the scene. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen it yet, there's a, a zucchini wrapped in aluminum foil. <laughs> That's tucked down Derek's pants, which is not subtle. But if, if you haven't noticed, the announcers for the airport are members of the band. What? Um, it was actually so the the end of the previous minute. There's an announcer who sounds suspiciously like the PA announcer for the Springfield Isotopes. Oh and my I'm, gosh! I'm, and I'm pretty sure that's Derek, aka Harry Shearer. Really. And then in the beginning of this minute, there's an airport announcement that I think I'm pretty sure it's David. I'm pretty sure it's Michael McKean. You just have to listen very closely. And they're doing David saying something like, I think it's like the the flight to Grand Rapids is delayed 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's like a it's like a real airport announcement. It's not like a joke. It's not a you right. know, it's, 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 the, the shoestring yeah. kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, you do this, I'll do that. Well, I got to go listen. That's really interesting. Yeah, so when you go back, li- yeah, listening to minute 43 and 44 for the for the airport scene, just wow. kind of close your eyes and listen for the the announcements in the background. And uh yeah, it's it's the guys from the band. So it's like, yeah, there's there's the big in your face stuff and then there's just little stuff happening in the background that I I thought that was, is uh, was funny. Wow, what a what a what a subtle notice. That's amazing. Yeah. Great work. Great work, Sean. I can't wait to go back and yeah, listen Sean, to this. That's a real revelation. <laughs> that's a revelation. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing becomes like a Zapruder film, right? Where you're yeah. totally yeah. that frame breakdown. I think you may have found something interesting here. 
<laughs> well, there's, and every, everywhere you go in this minute, the, the sights, the sounds, um, I, I can only imagine the smells, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great minute. It's a real, I mean, it puts you on the road, which is cool. You know, it lets, I like that Harry Shearer gets to have kind of a moment. It's like a solo, you know? Yeah. And And then the the face, like he's just, the face he is giving around second 40 or 41. I got a screen capture that I'll put on the website of, Uh of, you know, Gloria's waving the wand in his sort of, you know, crotchal area. And he kind of, and I think it's the only moment, I think you had said something the previous minute, Chris, how they don't, you know, they don't break their in character the whole time. And this may be the only exception that he's, he, Harry, or or I guess it's Derek, um, turns his head and he's looking towards us, the audience. And we know the band hasn't gone through security. So the band and everyone he knows is behind him. He turns and he looks towards us and gives us the look like, you know, do you believe this? The just the ridiculousness of this woman's waving a wand around my crotch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're it, right. There, it, it there is a little bit. But see, I don't think of it as a like, break. Yeah. I don't think of it as a break. What? How I took it was, hey, I've got this um, built-in audience for me here because we've got a we've got uh, cameras. You know, they're filming a documentary. So I thought of him as more of playing up for the documentary. That's how I took it. Okay, so yeah, so they're doing a documentary. So I, I guess yeah, Derek's just kind of giving an eye to the the camera crew because you know he he knows what's coming. He knows what they've what she's found with her <laughs> right. metal detective there. Yeah. Um, so so let's say you'll take a step back from from the minute for a, a moment. And so uh, Chris, as as an author, I'm sure you you travel around and you've worked with musicians in your writing. So. Uh, any real life Spinal Tap moments or, or crazy stories you can uh, share one, with our yeah, audience? There's one I love. There's one I love, and it's kind of interesting too because it involves Todd Rundgren, who I've known for a long time, and mm. uh, he uh, in the early '70s he had a, a first iteration of a band called Utopia, and they were very kind of futuristic, and they had their keyboard player encased in this dome, like a, a thing that got stuck one night, and they couldn't get the guy <laughs> out of the dome, and Todd always <laughs> swore. That Derek, you know, that um, Derek getting stuck in the pod was sort of a nod to that. There's look, there's lots of different references and inspirations, but mm-hmm. but Todd had his own that he shared with me once, and I thought it was very funny. In 1977, his band Utopia um, is touring behind an album called Ra, which Ra, of course, is the Egyptian, you know, uh, god, the sun, the god of the sun, right, right. And to accentuate the performance, there's a giant uh, sphinx on stage, which is very Spinal Tap esque, and a pyramid. <laughs> That Todd at the end of the show would scale the pyramid like thirty feet tall, play a solo on top of the pyramid, grab a like a harness, and then flip, tumble off, and like a bungee and bounce thirty feet down off the top of the pyramid, right? Oh my gosh. And he's telling me how they've got this whole thing set up. It's the most expensive stage thing ever. It was in its day, it was one of the biggest stage pre- presentations by anybody. And the opening night, I forget what city they're in, but it might have been Albany, but the theater where they performed the the pyramid was taller than the proscenium arch so that when Todd climbed the pyramid to the top all the fans <laughs> could see was him from the knees down <laughs> so he's playing the solo this dramatic solo but all they can see are like his feet and his legs <laughs> 
<laughs> and and I always thought that was really funny and totally tap very Stonehenge because they build the scale is just <laughs> off right and it hides the most dramatic point of the set and Todd is stuck playing the solo essentially by himself in the dark behind a curtain that doesn't stretch down far or up far enough to expose him to the whole crowd so that to me is sort of a classic uh, Spinal Tap moment Todd loves that movie but like he says you know musicians love it to a point. only to a point but at some point he says you know every band sort of becomes like that and uh, before you reinvent yourself or whatever so it's a little bit dangerous you know what i mean Mm -hmm. right right uh, anyways touches a nerve touches a nerve with (laughs) a lot of nerves yeah yeah Yeah. so well, cool that's a great story thanks for sharing that my pleasure my pleasure (laughs) thank you for having me on this is a lot of fun yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It's it's great, and and um, you know our our mutual friend Jim O'Kane connected us, and yeah, um, you jumped in. My and, high school buddy. Oh, you guys are high school buddies, huh? Yeah. Oh, cool. He was a year ahead of me. And yeah, a, he's a great guy. great guy then, and a great guy now. A <laughs> great guy. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good podcaster. <laughs> yeah. good, great yeah. look. Good podcaster. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so so Chris, you as our audience has probably gathered from the the many interesting stories that you've had and the, and the names you've been able to drop that in in your work as an author, you've worked with with quite a number of musicians. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy. Um, I like. I love music. I love the musicians' world. I have deep respect for musicians and all they give us and what they go through. And uh, it's always fun to write about them, and especially to see those moments that most people don't get to see. That's what I like the best of the offstage moments where you, you see the frustration sometimes. You see the very real, as great as it is to be a big musician, that mm-hmm. there are other elements to it that are very real and very human and frustrating for guys and women. So, I, yeah, I like seeing the whole kind of the whole ball of wax. Awesome. Well, if there's nothing else for this particular minute, if there is, please pipe up. Then I'll, I'll kind of um, roll us out of here and and then we can hear your plugs and hear more about sure. you know what you're up to now and anything else you want to want to share. Absolutely. Anything else for this this minute, guys? I, I just want to go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, please. Oh, well, I was just going to say. So this is something I've heard and actually a, a, a belief or misbelief I had for a long time that this is a cucumber that Derek has in, in his pants. Um, and then I was also wondering, just beyond why is he wearing it in the airport, why is it wrapped in foil? And so it turns out this is, this is another case of going back to uh, the deleted scenes mm. that are on the, the four-hour work print that, uh, that's floating around out there. Um, so after David and Nigel have suggested that Derek may need to uh, have some enhancements to... Uh, you know, sort of excite the female members of the audience. Derek goes to Moke, the roadie, to uh, prepare his uh, his prop, and it is a zucchini that that Moke provides for <laughs> Derek. And the rationale, the reason for the foil is that the vegetable would soften and start to rot from just, I guess, the heat and humidity of being in. <sighs> In Derek's pants and being pressed oh up against his flesh, so the foil is to preserve freshness. Oh my god! That's so. That's why. Because yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, is it supposed to give it texture so it's more realistic? Or yeah, uh, right, yeah. right, right, right. 
I, I couldn't figure out why foil, but it yeah, it's in that deleted scene. Another another instance where they they give us the joke, but they cut out a little bit of the a little bit of the setup. So the foil is there to preserve freshness. Very interesting, boy! I learned so much in this minute. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're here to educate. That's no, how we do this. I'm serious. I mean, you think you know a movie inside and out, and it isn't until you get this granular with it that you realize there's probably a lot more to it. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I think that yeah. that's all I have for minute forty-four. But uh, Chris, I think you were you were about to say something. No, no, no. I just wanted to thank you again. It's one of my oh. favorite movies of all time. Like I said, I have deep sentimental feelings about it, and I think it is. Uh, it certainly deserves this kind of treatment. So thank you both for taking all the time and effort and energy and talent that you give it to uh, to bring it to life on this level. No, oh, well, thank yeah. you. Thanks yeah. so much. This Thanks is for, a, for stopping by. Talking with people who love it as much as we are, you just feel that enthusiasm. And it's, it's well, I'm going to think of who I might know that I can steer. You know, anybody connected to the film. Now I want to I want to contribute even without being here myself. I want to see if there's any way to. Uh, to, to get other people that uh, that were not just touched by it, but they're actually involved with it to do this too. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you can, that would be we, absolutely yeah, great. I'm on the case. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. On the case. All yeah. right. Well, we hope you've all enjoyed episode 44 of Spinal Tap Minute. You can check in with us at SpinalTapMinute.com. And um, as Sean has mentioned before, you know, we load in a lot of um, links there for, you know, to the videos that we discuss or other little things that kind of pop up in the episode. So there's all sorts of extra goodies on the website. And of course, that's also where you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast and um yeah there's always links to all of um anything that our our uh, guests are doing too and i think that's about all i i'm uh, gonna say if i can get the words out of my mouth here (laughs) and so speaking of uh, what our guests are doing what are you doing so so chris if uh you know if if our audience want to hear more of your your fantastic stories and read some of your great writing where can they uh find more I mean, the best way is, is Amazon.com to look up Chris Epting. I have about 30 books I've written there and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. And Facebook, of course, is sort of my de facto website, though I do have a website, which is ChrisEpting.com. And a brand new book out, like you mentioned, uh, called Change of Seasons, which is a uh, memoir that I co-wrote with the great John Oates. And uh, it's a really, I think, a really interesting story. Whether or not you're a Hall & Oates fan or not, it's just a great story about uh, an American musician who has uh, mm-hmm. always stayed the course and really, I, I think, uh, given us a lot over the years. Cool. Great. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll personally recommend that. It's, it's a great story and really interesting. And I'm continually amazed, and, and I should stop being amazed, but I'm still amazed when you, when you dive into these, these musicians and their, their stories that it's, it's, it's kind of like an iceberg. Uh, and, yeah. and in particular for, for John Oates, like Hall and Oates, you know, kind of reached my consciousness or, or my awareness and really hit it big and sort of like the, the early to in mid eighties. But there's so much of a career, so much that they go through to get to the point where the world becomes aware of what yeah, that was doing. their third career. I mean, really, they had so many ups and downs in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best part of the book is yeah. them yeah. finding their way. They didn't have a hit record till they were four albums in. They were close wow. to getting dropped. I mean, they, it almost didn't happen, you know, and it actually wouldn't have happened if a disc jockey in Cleveland didn't decide to play a deep track called Sarah Smile, you know, which mm-hmm. yeah. generated a lot of attention 
Revolution, but that wasn't even a single. That wasn't even a B-side, you know? Wow. And and so, yeah, these little quirks that happen in a career were not for those things. We probably wouldn't be having this part of the conversation right now. Right. So, yeah, again, you don't have to necessarily be a, a, an Oates or a Hall and Oates or even a, a Garfunkel and Oates fan to, uh, <laughs> and they're to, very to good enjoy too. the I book. like them a lot. <laughs> Me too. Oh, great. John loves them. Oh, yeah. I've heard that, that I've, they've been on a lot of podcasts and they, they've mentioned that a couple of times that he's got a nice, warm relationship with them. That's yeah, cool. they've performed oh, together great. and they've become friends and stuff, which is nice. <laughs> oh, I hadn't heard so. that. That's yeah, that is really nice. But yeah, so that's it's you know a, a great musician and a great author, and you you put them together, and it's uh, it's going to be magic. So uh, cool. You know, in addition to all the other stuff you've done, I'll I'll you know to single out that one work that uh, that people want to check out. And again, we'll we'll put links to all that stuff on, on our website. So uh, make sure. Well, our thank you very much. That's that's you. really cool. I appreciate it. And and again, thanks for having me on. This was an absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, if anybody ever bails out and you need another voice, just let me know. I'd love to do it again. Cool. We'll, cool. we'll uh, definitely put you on the short list. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right. All right. So I think that wraps it up for episode 44. Cool. Covering minute 44 of This is Spinal Tap. Thanks once again to my wonderful co-host. I could not do it without you, Heidi. <laughs> and thank you again, Chris. This has just been uh, a fascinating, a fascinating experience. Uh, well, for me too. Thank you. Shared. And for you folks out there in podcast land, thank you for your your enthusiasm about the movie and the podcast. And uh, you know, we we do it for you. So please come back. But until next time, and so say all of us. Tap, tap into, into America. America. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Heidi and Sean. Thanks, man. Oh.